Hi, James. <laughs> Hi, Gabby. What's up? I'm on a tsunami <laughs> warning right now, which is a first. I'll admit I was really wow. scared when I found out. My mom actually told me. She was like, called me. She's like, Gabby, you're on tsunami warning. Uh, there was a big earthquake <laughs> in New Zealand, so here I am. That is, I mean, that would put me on edge because you're so close to the beach. Wasn't there a tsunami warning when you were working in Malibu? That's comforting me because I was like, I, at the time, I didn't think yeah. it was a big deal. <laughs> I'm trying to channel. Yeah, yeah. We had a tsunami warning and we were like, because it was in a canyon and this, we all had this feeling of if something actually like happened all the people with cars would sort of bottleneck and then we'd have to like run up the hill, you know, <laughs> threading through cars and traffic. It was dark, but nothing ever happened. Um, but yes, I was at risk. <laughs> I have experienced. So you know this feeling, you know the, the risk. tsunami watch feeling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. At least you don't have to clock out if it happens. I don't have to what? Clock out? Oh yeah, you were at work in Malibu. That's true. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. I mean, if it happens during this podcast, I will have to clock out. <laughs> Sorry, guys. The tsunami is here. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for your time. Um, I was really scared for a sec, but then I got over it. <laughs> you have support on the ground, too, right? Yeah, totally. As in Hana boy. <laughs> yeah, I texted my boo. My technical term. I was like, all I wanted to do was just like text a man you know <laughs> just be like what do i do yeah absolutely but now i texted him and he was like if anything happens i'll come get you and i was like okay <laughs> and then my vagina went to heaven amazing <laughs> <laughs> i was like well now you should just come anyways because <laughs> so you just became pregnant yeah i was like i we need to breed like <laughs> yeah it became a whole thing but no he said that and i felt much better because you know you know, for any men out there, we, we love when you're in the protector position. Well, he's, yeah, he's been through it. Yeah, he was he's like, it happens it already. all the time, and we will find out hours before if it's serious, so. Mm-hmm. That's that. Um, sorry, guys, that we're so late. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a planned lateness. We mm-hmm. just kept having to push it, because um, I've been doing, I had like a surprise commission for a meditation, and then another commission for a headspace meditation Mm -hmm. and um on top of that i've been working on getting the substack newsletter together if you guys follow me on instagram you've seen that (laughs) i'm excited for that (laughs) so it's just been it's been a wild ride but i'm happy it's all good stuff but it definitely feels like i'm uh catching my breath over here a little bit yeah i feel that it was a busy week (laughs) we're here we're (laughs) we're here (laughs) whenever i say we're here i want to say we're here we're queer because it's everywhere but obviously we can't we're not gonna say that but that's what my brain does it's like a meme now like i'm like we're here and i'm like we're we're queer (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. but it's not that's not my campaign (laughs) no totally we're here we're sincere get used to it (laughs) we're here we're full of fear about the tsunami um just kidding we're not (laughs) We're here. We're um, uh, nuclear. We're near. Oh no, that doesn't really rhyme. We're here. We're near. Um, Aww. Whatever. That's really poignant. So today is a Q and A episode, <laughs> <laughs> which is going to be fun because 
so we get to play voice notes of other people's voices, which I think voice notes, I mean, are so, they're like the medium. I mean, if you think about Clubhouse, a lot of people would agree that voice notes and just like voice memos like is just the medium of the times because of Clubhouse, because of podcasts, because of this Q&A. Yeah, we're the driving force behind um, voice notes. We, we've done like art videos surrounded by voice notes. And yeah, the interview. I, think, I would say anyone out there. Yeah, what were you saying? I, I just feel like we're early adopters <laughs> of this medium. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, there was a time where you and I discovered voice memos for art. Yeah, that was amazing. We would interview people. That was great. I think if anyone's looking to just like, you're feeling creatively stunted or disconnected or something, you should just interview people with your iPhone. It's a really mm-hmm. great thing. You know, I have interviews that we did in Joshua Tree that are just sitting in my camera I forgot about. We interviewed people about adapting. Yeah, I think about them all the time. Really? <laughs> yeah, so because funny. of the one guy that we interviewed. <laughs> oh, and then he went missing. You guys, we interviewed a guy in Joshua yeah. Tree who was just kind of like a traveler, uh, very dressed up. Like, I felt like he would have been happy for us to interview him, which is why we did, and he was. Definitely wanted to be talked to, but he went missing. Like... Mm-hmm. Two like a few months later and I saw it on Instagram and was like damn that was the guy we interviewed I didn't actually hear back from that I feel like it turned out okay hopefully yeah sir if you're if you're listening to this podcast people are looking for you and you need to call them yeah please call them <laughs> it's bad so I think he was found. I think we would have found out if something happened because he's like in the, in the sphere. Anyways, yeah, but yeah. just in case. <laughs> um, should we get into these Q and A's? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> should we just <laughs> start over? No, just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're rusty. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks of it's James being a hard so worker long. and. Yeah. Me um, okay, guests. so yeah, I've like barely talked to anyone. Um, well, that's not true. Me to me. Okay, uh, it's two twenty-two p.m. on my side of the island. So let's take advantage of this time and go for it. Um, we're gonna island. start off. <laughs> let's start off. We're gonna start off with um, our first question, and we'll play it for you now. Hi, James and Gabby. Um, I'm from Australia. I love the pod. And I've got a question that kind of relates to the disconnect between the way that we see ourselves and the way that other people perceive us. Um, I'm kind of going through a bit of a time where I am feel like a disconnect between the way I see myself and the way that other people interpret me. I feel like I am at the space where I'm like really critical of my motivations and actions when I do things. Um, and I think a lot of times it's like for self-serving benefits, but then I asked a bunch of people that were super close to me to describe what they see as my like core personality. And a lot of it is super generous and like giving things that I feel like I don't see within myself because I see it from my own perspective. Um, And I'm just wondering if there's any merit to making, having like a holistic view of yourself through the eyes, obviously of your own brain, um, but also through other people's interpretations of you. Um, But even if that Mm. does matter or it doesn't matter, I've got, just got a lot of questions about it. Um, But yeah, have a a nice day. (laughs) Very pleasant. She was very pleasant. 
have a nice day that was so cute hi yeah. australia um thank you for your question How do you i like this that? question a lot um well this is what's interesting about this question to me is it's kind of the positive version of people's perceptions of you versus your own perceptions of you and so it's kind of like if you're on this side of the coin you're already doing pretty well because then you just have to fight your own inner demons and not like everyone else's <laughs> what do you mean which side of the coin well what she's experiencing from my understanding is she has a perception of herself that is harsher than other people have of her like people mm. see her as giving and kind or generous mm -hmm. and she is like well i don't feel that way about myself so mm -hmm. what she has to do is look at why she's being so self-critical you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of like you can have that situation or you can have a situation where you're completely unaware of the fact that you're hurting people all around you and that you're <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> a t you know, a storm of negativity or whatever. Oh, yeah. I know. This so, is like the better version. Yeah. Instead of being like, I think I'm so nice. Mm -hmm. Why is everyone around me hurting? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely seems like a yeah internal voice, internal narrative um mm -hmm. situation for sure i resonate with this question personally because i think i'm really self-critical um and it can just be hard to step outside of that voice and realize that it's just another one of those voices that's telling you a narrative that might not necessarily be true but it feels like it is so personal that it couldn't not be true. Mm -hmm. You know, like it is though, because it's just another voice. Like anything that you're hearing in your head is a narrative that has come from someplace and has to be taken with a grain of salt. So if you're being really, really hard on yourself, you have to at, at what I do is say, okay, at least, I'm operating with a level of self-awareness. How can I turn that self-awareness into mm -hmm. something that is positive rather than constantly getting down on myself, you know? It and I think because habitual. she has friends that, sorry. It also becomes like habitual. Like I feel like it's a, mm -hmm. like it feels like self-awareness, but sometimes it's just like a habitual loop of right, like right. near nonsense, like almost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's like you think, if you're at least aware of the fact that you're thinking these things, then that's the mm -hmm. first step, you know? Yeah. I also feel too, and I think even hearing your example of consulting with your friends and having them say sort of more like wonderful like things about you is I think that's also like a really good mechanism for self-criticism is like finding yourself maybe making a state mistake or doing, you know, having a day you're not proud of or all these things and being like, well, like, would I criticize my best friend this way? Like, if my friend, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, napped all day and, you know, <laughs> had a lazy day and felt bad about it, you know, would I turn to my friend and be like, you wretched, <laughs> lazy, non-productive swine? <laughs> like, no, I'd be like, oh, my God, cute little, cute little nap. BFF needs a nap, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, I yeah. just think, like, there's this way that we need to step out of our self-criticism and be like, okay, would I talk to someone else like that? Because that's not what I, the energy I want to spread. That's not how I think people should feel. So why do I let myself do it silently? Um, for sure. And I think that's sure. also a really great practice in like 
you know, being comfortable with the very uncomfortable reality of perceptions not lining up. Because even if people have better perceptions of you than you have of yourself, it is uncomfortable to know that these different realities exist. And I think practicing the almost the act of like we always call it the observer and performer is to say like you know there's two friends in here one is watching me and one is doing their thing and I can make the choice Mm -hmm. to be a kind uplifting friend to myself (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and at the same time be practicing bridging those two realities of the observed being observed from the outside and then also being myself you know Mm -hmm. definitely yeah absolutely yeah, so don't, A, don't be so hard on yourself, um, and <laughs> B, be your own best friend. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the number one. I really think the be your own best friend, like, that's always my answer for anything. Like, when people are like, how do you have confidence? I'm like, well, I treat myself like a friend, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Treat yourself like, you know, treat yourself like when you're crying in the bathroom, you know, are you talking down to your friend who's crying like no you're like girl let's go home let's eat ice cream you know it's really about holding yourself um definitely perceptive and also just realizing that you show up I think another thing I want to add to just like the perceptive trip of just like how friends see you how different people see you is I think we forget that although we feel like one unit all the time we show up differently for everyone in our lives And, like, whether Mm -hmm. this is sort of a societal, like, ego performance aspect or almost, like, an energetic aspect of different people's energies and yours combining creates a different formula and creates a different relationship. And, like, you'll find that you're more giving with some people, more combative with some people, you know, more cuddly with some people, more business-oriented with other people. And I think it's just really fair to remember this because it also reminds us of how fluid our perceptive reality is and how fluid our personality is. You know, and that these kind of startling realities of someone thinking you're a certain way that you don't agree with, whether it's good or bad, it's also just those things become less jarring when you actively remain aware of how differently you show up. And it's almost like personality is more like a tool, you know, than Mm -hmm. it is this kind of embedded, like, thing you're carrying every day. You know, it's like a, a set of frequencies, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel, James, like, do you feel, like, as, (laughs) like, a personality, like, do you feel pretty consistent? Like, are you, like, I'm the same with most people? Or do you find yourself sort of being a different, like, kind of existing at different energies depending on who you're around and, Mm -hmm. you know? I definitely exist at different, in different energies. And I feel like at this point I've come to recognize the different like personalities or shades of mm-hmm. me but I definitely mm-hmm. have to turn on certain ones for different situations and I think it's just for me it's been a process of coming to terms with those and making sure that I like all of those personalities because mm-hmm. even if they're different I do want to like them and I want to be able to stand by them even if it's more of like the business personality one or like the more like Mm -hmm. (laughs) brass tacks one, (laughs) I still want to be able to, you know, like would I go to bat for that person if they were an outside force, you know? And, Mm -hmm. but totally I have, I have very different um, modes that I go into. And I think 
the process is just being aware of when you go into the different modes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So much. Yeah, I felt that was also valuable with when I was learning how to have a relationship with my parents that was positive, was like... I feel like we grow up thinking like, oh, you know, you either are so your best friends with your parents, they know everything and everything's aired out and you can be full yourself or you're not. And it was like mm-hmm. really groundbreaking for me to be like, no, I can be in a mode with my parents. Like I can be in a specific mode that I know works and makes our energy yeah. perfect for the whole day and causes no arguments, causes no drama or hurt or anything, you know, mm-hmm. but like it's okay that it's a mode. It's not fake. You know what I mean? It's a, mm-hmm. it's like a guided energy to like, promote like a peaceful you know harmonized unity (laughs) you know it's really interesting um okay we're off on our tangent (laughs) should we go to the (laughs) next one that was a great question and also i just want to say good for you that you know you have the evidence that you are emanating a wonderful giving energy you know take that and run (laughs) Mm mm-hmm And just shine that back to yourself. Like, if that's the practice that you have to start with, it's like, okay, I'm going to treat myself like I treat other people. And maybe that's your mantra. It's like, I'm, you know, like, mm -hmm. that's a really good point, James. Sometimes we treat others better than we treat ourselves. Kind of weird. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do think how you treat other people is a reflection of how you treat yourself. But there can be a disconnect when you overgive. So. I get. I yeah. really resonate with this girl, and I love this question. So thank you for thank you for bringing it to the table. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. All right, our next one. It looks like is written, and this one okay. is. Um, do you want to read it word for word? Sure. Is it? Uh, let me pull it up. Um, okay. <clears throat> my question is: How do I get my boyfriend to eat me out without pressuring him to do it? He said he's never done it before, and I want his first experience to be with some something he wants to do rather than just something he does because I want him to. I need some big sister advice, please. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> As someone who is very passionate about, um, you know, being going having someone go down on me every day. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, like, it's such an important part of being with someone to the point where – I just think it's a very important thing. It has to be on the table all the time, especially if you are giving giving it back, giving the head back. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My advice would be just from personal experience is if you're with someone who's like very into you and, you know, they want to go down and they're just scared. And honestly, the vagina is a freaky looking thing, <laughs> you know, at first yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> And anyone I know who, like, didn't go down on me much in the beginning of our relationship was just didn't really know what to do. And, you know, they, they're down there. You could see their whole face. Like, they're just, like, nervous about it. But in their dreams, they're down there fucking making it happen and rocking your yeah. world. Um, I will say literally from direct experiences, I had that a couple times in my early 20s with people. Same thing. They weren't really confident about it, so they wouldn't just go for it. And I really think there's, like, a really sweet way to just be like, hey, let's just, like, do this and I'll coach you through it. I've pretty much coached every single person (laughs) uh, exactly how to go down on me because everyone's different as well. Like, I think everyone is so different, you know, and so I have a really specific way that I like it. And I'll just be like, hey, like, let me, like, tell you exactly what feels good. And you only have to do that, like, once or twice. And then they, like, unlock the formula and then it's all good. 
But I think that there's a way to really like kindly just be like, hey, let's like spend a day like (laughs) or spend the next this time in bed, just you doing it and then me telling you exactly what feels good and what's what doesn't. And in your question, you're like, I don't want them to feel pressure. But I think you have to be comfortable with the fact that the first few times are going to be kind of awkward and feel more like a a sex lesson. It won't be this like sexy, like, oh my God, you know, it'll be a moment of like, okay, that feels good. That doesn't wait. That kind of hurts. Like wait, uh, you know, for a while. But then the reward is like a lifetime of someone who is not only going to be able to give you tons of pleasure, but then also get a bunch of pleasure from themselves, (laughs) uh, giving it to you. My other thing too, another way to kind of ease into it is with (laughs) Um, 69ing. 69ing kind of freaks people out, I think, but if you do it sideways, it's less freaky. (laughs) Um, Sorry, guys, I've been having a lot of sex lately. (laughs) I'm just talking about it. Um, But if you do it on your side, um, if you do it on your side, it's way more accessible and kind of like lazy and cute. And that's one of my favorite things. (laughs) And I think that's also a fun way to start bringing in like head into the conversation as like a playful thing and oh smart that's I like that just positioning yeah Yeah. because it won't I can't really I think during 69ing it's like harder to come that way but Mm -hmm. it's also like a really good practice and just like kind of just making head like always on the table you know (laughs) Mm-hmm, like instead mm-hmm. of this event of like I am going to go down on you you know it's like okay let's mm-hmm. take a break and just like lick it <laughs> um but yeah <laughs> I just like vortexed into that but I guess what I'm saying is you have to you will have to be comfortable with the beginning feeling like a bit of a, a bit of a lesson and then the reward is bigger than that moment and will bring you closer you know mm-hmm. thank How you, you Gabby, for that um <laughs> <laughs> I I'm <laughs> I'm grateful that you are here to answer this question because I have uh I had a situation where my partner was uncomfortable going down on me and that is definitely one of my favorite things sexually like mm, yeah I know there are some girls that just don't like it and that's fine but like I love it and it's very important to me <laughs> and I saying, uh, it's like <laughs> It's just your chance to, like, you know, lie down and dream. Um, I know, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I just had a partner that just wouldn't do it. And, like, I I just struggled with um, just communicating how important it was to me. And then it just was, like, this weird thing where I just – it never – it, like, happened, like, two or three times. Like, it was just – so I, I sympathize with this person and I hope that But did he feel they're... pressured? Because we, t- we need that end of the story. Like, <sighs> well, I guess how, like I, how I, I first did, approached yeah. it, I first approached it um, very early on over the phone because I <laughs> was a little drunk. This is years ago, you guys, but I was a little <laughs> drunk <laughs> and I was just used to like guys going down on me like pretty early on and we had only had sex a couple times but I still like had expected it a little bit at least just sort of the the and you were very spoiled by your first boyfriend I mean I remember that was like yeah 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 yeah. we didn't have anything in common except we were very sexually like chemistry (laughs) and then when they woke up and I was like what am I doing (laughs) anyway um but yeah so I just 
and even just random hookups for some reason it just always sort of happened um and so then i i kind of casually was like and you haven't gone down on me yet and i know you will and then it was like <laughs> you drunkenly with like a martini in your hand like yeah yeah like i was on the phone no i was on the phone i said it to him on the phone because i just thought it was a casual thing and then it was uh not casual for this person to hear that and he was hurt was he hurt i think he was a little hurt because i didn't know that he had a hang up about it i didn't know that he doesn't like doing it or whatever it was i just didn't know and so i approached it in a casual humorous way and it um didn't land the joke didn't land (laughs) (laughs) and and then yeah and then it was just this thing where like it wouldn't really happen and but and he wasn't even bad at it like the couple times he did it he wasn't bad at it it was so frustrating (laughs) so I was like you you're not poor poorly skilled you know so um I think maybe the mistake that I made was um talking about the issue with a drunken humor because it might not be a light topic for people and thinking yeah. that it's going to be a light topic was wrong on my part mm, and set myself up. I set myself up for it to be more complicated than it might have been. Um, and yeah, I think from then on, it just was like a stumbling thing of like, I guess I had offended him or hurt him, but not knowingly. I, I'm sort of realizing now how much he might have been hurt by something that to me was a casual thing. So go into it with like, you know a tender heart and um i think yeah. the way that you said like making it like a pleasurable experiment and experience of learning together and yeah. making it a closeness because yeah it, it just might be heavy for people and it might mm-hmm. be a thing where they feel insecure that they haven't done it before can't do it and while like in my opinion it's just always nice if anyone does anything down there a little bit just for the effort you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always a good you know thing. yeah but i feel like yeah. other people if they haven't done it before and they don't know that it's just nice to anything's nice you know yeah usually once <laughs> people i'm telling you like more. once people unlock it they're like you know all over it yeah but yeah you always so. have to start sweet and i also just want to like you know if you yeah, like never come at it from a place of resentment or like why aren't you doing this for me like keep it very sweet even if you feel that way you know actively be like I'm going to come at this very sweet, you know? Yeah. Softly. Yeah. Definitely. And someone who I think is open to taking direction is a really great experience. <laughs> like, it'll, I think it's mm-hmm. like an emotional closeness, too, you know? Yeah. Of like, I think that's, I wonder, you know, because they said I want big girl advice. I wonder how old they are. And I do want to say it's like the older you get, like the better sex gets because mm-hmm. there's like less of these hangups on just being like bomb and like, un, you know, like unsaid, like performative amazingness. And there's like more emphasis mm-hmm. on being like, this is actually what I want. And like, you know, it's yeah, kind yeah, of great. yeah. Um, but yeah, start that now. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> Happy orgasms. Yeah. Have a great, have a great time yeah have some key visuals that you think of when you're laying there yeah 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 get, get all that down you know it'll be really fun let us know so how fun. it goes yeah actually i'm interested yeah. <laughs> um okay let's go to another one all right we have this other question 
related to the live lifestyles of artists <laughs> um this person said sometimes i feel a huge wall of why isn't my life more magical exciting like theirs is when looking at my favorite artists and i feel like this fog plays keep away with my inspiration have either mm-hmm. of you felt like this towards an artist or their art did you manually overcome it or did it fade away hmm mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much to see nowadays, (laughs) you know, there's so much cool stuff to see that other people are doing right now. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can lead with this a little bit. Um, I feel like in the past I felt compare, I think what this is getting to and tell me what you think about this, but it seems like what this is really getting to is like a comparison tendency Mm -hmm. and that's something that scale yeah and i think if you're at that point where you can't help but compare everyone's always like don't compare don't compare and my thing with that is sometimes Mm. you can't get to that that level so just turn those people off like don't follow them on social (laughs) media mute them like whatever you need to do because sometimes you just it's the gap is too big to go from being like Mm. okay like i'm happy for them (laughs) you know like and it's damaging their inspiration, mm-hmm. which I think is very telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But it's like, I just think I'm very passionate about this thing. I'm very passionate about the idea that, like, scale is an illusion. Like, scale is an ego illusion. Like, scale is something that only exists in the human mind that, like, measures things. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at nature, it's like it has its design, but it's not talking about itself. The tree isn't like, I'm 10 feet tall. What are you? You know, it's mm-hmm. just not happening. Um, but... I'm just like passionate with this in the sense that I truly feel that energy is so simple. It's so simple that when you look at somebody and this requires training, this requires training, I feel like. And I think it's when you look at someone, let's say it's this artist and they, you know, (laughs) they're at a residency in Spain. They've been flown out there to do paintings in a hotel. And you're like, wow, (laughs) you know. And it's like you need to actively practice changing your mindset from, oh, my God, that's so big and I'm so small or they're so cool and I'm not. Because what ends up happening, just like you're saying in your question, is it takes away your light, you know, Mm -hmm. and energy is so simple that all you have to do is magnify things that you like to feel them. And I don't know if this is making sense, but the idea that every time you see someone succeeding and instead of saying they're succeeding and I'm not and you say, wow, that's possible. Wow. Now I have a, a visual that I can use for my manifestation now I can imagine myself in that situation because I have I'm watching them experience it or I get insight from them experiencing it now I know it's possible right that is an an energy that will give you inspiration and not only that but possibly even give you that situation Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're putting yourself in line with the vibration of it as opposed to resisting it which ends up just fucking you over Mm -hmm. you know when you see someone doing well whether that's someone in your life that's really close to you or just someone online you're saying that's not me, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, energy doesn't know that you want that thing. And that's why you're feeling upset about it. Energy just says like, oh, they they don't want that. Like they're separating themselves from this vibration and they're over here, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's something that's so important to me. And I think it's such a great mindset that keeps you away from jealousy. I think it enhances your relationships. It enhances your career, everything, because you don't go around thinking that everything is against you because it's not the most successful people I meet are not people that say me against the world they say I love what I do and I want to meet more people that do what I do and I want to see what I do everywhere Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you know yeah and I think that's I think that's all really important but it's like 
if you're at the place where you're feeling so small and like so blocked, then I Mm -hmm. don't think that you can make that energetic jump to feeling what you're saying because everything you're saying is value. Mm. And but that's like the next level. It's like three levels up from, I think, what Mm -hmm. this person. That's the goal. You know, that's the goal. So like if you that what everything, everything that you're saying that Gabby is saying is super valid and like that's what you should do. And that's like the mm-hmm. best, most wonderful, fruitful way to live. But if, if you can't get there right now, then you just should remove any like temptation to feel mm-hmm. the lower vibration emotions of jealousy, envy, comparison, mm-hmm. right? And then work on yourself. Mm-hmm. Embrace your own world. Like look at the old artists mm-hmm. that are written in books that you can't like, you can't like do active day-to-day comparisons <laughs> with you know, Dolly, you know what I mean? And then work on yourself. And when you're there, Mm. when you're at a place where you're feeling more secure, then you can sign back on and see what so-and-so is doing in Barcelona and be like, oh, yes, like Mm -hmm. there are people out there like doing this work together and we're creating this energy for the planet and it's beautiful and uplifting. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I just want to be real, really realistic with people who just aren't at that point. And that's okay because we're all like, mm. it's all fluctuating. Like, I feel like some days I'm with where you're, what yeah. you're talking about. And some days I'm just like, mute them all, <laughs> mute them all, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. And I have had moments, especially with people in LA who I felt like were given artistic opportunities without any effort, you know, like friends that had parents that were in the art world for generations. And you're like, oh, yeah, I had dinner with this dancer and this and this. And they have these great, you know, and you think, wow, like, you know, what a life, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just like how the last question is, did you manually overcome it or did it fade away? And I don't think it fades away. I think whether you're doing your method or trying to get to my method, it's like it is active. Like it's not one day you just feel better about yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and like never compare again. Mm-hmm. It's like you actively have to like change the habit and the loop of saying, you know, these people have it better. These people have it better, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think there's something that if you spend enough time around people who are, like, at the height of their career, you see that they are dealing mm-hmm. with the same set of neuroses, the same set of problems, if not more so. Absolutely. And if you don't see that, hand, you know, firsthand, it can be really hard to believe. But you can be flying all mm-hmm. around the world making movies and shooting things and producing projects and vacationing in you Mm -hmm. know the jungle and you're still like Mm -hmm. worried about politics you're still worried about the person who said something to you on twitter it doesn't health issues health issues yeah like (laughs) we're all just human people intimacy issues yeah absolutely so just know that like everyone's a human and it's not no one will ever escape that condition You know, and also everything looks better on the outside. Like, I think something I find so valuable about you and I growing up in LA and having the joy of being kind of in proximity of people who from the outside have an ideal life in Mm -hmm. terms of success, like societally recognized success of like money, power, good looks, whatever is like you get close to these people and you see that like there is no like happiness and, and contentment or whatever is not it's not that it's not attainable it's just that it's not conditional like it's not based on those things Mm -hmm. and you get to see and I guess what that shows me and also what is important I feel like is the most important thing is that 
I don't even know how to word this, but it's just like you're such a custom person, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like when you're next to somebody and you see that they have this great house on the hill, but they're lonely and everything and you're like, they're them and I'm me and if I had this, I want to be the kind of person who could love it and enjoy it and who would put the necessary emotional and mindset work and, you know, you know, trauma relief work, everything to enjoy what I have. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know how to word this, but it's just basically like nobody is you, Mm -hmm. you know, like that really gets me off. It's like seeing someone do something and being like, well, they wouldn't do it like me though. (laughs) And also everyone is always, I think something that occurred to me when you were saying this is like, you always are going to have to be doing this work, this mental work, the leg work to Mm -hmm. maintain, um, mental stability (laughs) at the very least you know Mm -hmm. and that doesn't go away you know just because you have a fabulous artistic lifestyle um for some people it just gets harder and so if you are in a Mm -hmm. place right now where you're not don't have you know whatever you consider recognition or success take this time and enjoy it and really become comfortable with like yourself your psyche Mm -hmm your spirit so that when you do reach the height that you eventually want to reach, you can handle it and you can be that person in the house that really Mm -hmm. enjoys it, you know? Okay. That's really trippy too, because I feel like that directly speaks to how even energy works in the sense where it's like, if you look at someone having a big, exciting life and it fills you with dread, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's you telling the world like, oh, I can't handle that. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready for that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But to see someone living that life and be like, oh, that's really cool. I'd like to do that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Is like you telling the world, hey, yeah, I'm in, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a simple, it is a simple switch, you know? And I would like to say, too, because I feel like James and I, throughout life, I mean, we look back and it just, everything makes sense as this kind of domino effect of, like, you know, James and I, you know, we both grew up in, like, low-income households. We were both making art in the corner of our beds as children. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't going to restaurants, we weren't going on vacations, nothing was big and, and, and exciting in that way, but we found magic in so many ways, and of course children do that all the time, but we continue that forever in the sense that no matter what we had, we were able to magnify it as this like exquisite artistic experience, and I think that's what artists are so crafty at doing, is that they can take the mundane and turn it into something exquisite, and the, what's so, you know interesting about that is that when you do that it's almost like a domino effect for your whole life where it's like oh it might start with glorifying a bus ride you know looking at your bus ride to school every day as this like amazing pilgrimage with like music and making this huge mundane you know experience into this huge thing but then you kind of look at your life and you're like all the energy that I put into magnifying my life into this great lifestyle actually turned into these more recognizable things you know Mm -hmm. where it's like oh now I'm (laughs) I'm in Hawaii, like, you know, like, it really feels connected. Like, looking back now, it's, like, all the efforts I put, you know, and that you put into being, like, my life is amazing, even though all, you know, my, (laughs) this is the situation now, or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, all I have is the corner of this room to decorate, but I have this corner, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then all of a sudden you have, it just magnifies. I do think that's how the world works. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know. Tearing up. The vibration. Actually, I know. I see it. I see it on the thing. (laughs) This is emotional. This episode's emotional. Because we're at a plateau. It is emotional. Because it's, like, candid. I don't Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I've watched you do that. You know, I've Mm -hmm. watched you. uh, You know, I wonder. I don't know. I mean, that had a big influence on me. It's just I think you're the only person in (laughs) 
my life so early on that magnified that part of our personalities mm. and it never went away yeah you know? yeah yeah oh this planter is a secret garden mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah and then that turns into like oh this apartment that we're sharing that's tiny can be an art gallery mm-hmm. like you know yeah absolutely and then all of a sudden it's it's you know the more legit version <laughs> like I don't know you know <laughs> that's just how it is but I really swear by that I think you know if you look at things energetically and vibrationally it's like what yeah. yeah, align with these people, align yeah. with these images. Just think about it as, you like, know, what ooh. story are you telling, not only yourself, but, like, the greater universal forces that are always listening? Mm-hmm. And it's, the story is told through the emotions that you hold to or for different things. Mm-hmm. And if you can't change your emotions change the words that you're telling yourself because sometimes you can only Mm -hmm. intellectually get there and if you can't intellectually get there then start telling yourself that you can because it's a domino effect like you said but like starting from the very bottom (laughs) you just have to start telling yourself a story word by word and then it will go from there from the bottom but you're telling yourself and then you're telling the greater universal forces like and that's Mm -hmm. that's you know that's all we got. It'll be muddy. It'll feel like you're wading through mud. <laughs> I really have to say, I feel like when we give advice, I feel like it's so fluid now. But I do want to remind people, like, this all took work. Like, I remember the first, you know, I would say when I was 20, maybe, is when I started being like, I need to change my habits, my brain habits. Like, things like this. I used to be so comparative. I used mm-hmm. to be like, oh, my God, all these people get to go to art school. And I couldn't because I'm poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not anything, you know. And then I just, like... I had to actively be like, dude, fuck it, you know, yeah. I'm gonna do it my way, you know, yeah. and like, but it starts with a muddy feeling, like it's, it feels like you're wading through it, and you make mistakes, and all of a sudden you find yourself, and it doesn't feel like you're wading through it, it feels like you're swimming through it, mm-hmm. and things are clicking, and, but man, you gotta make that first fucking annoying effort. For sure. <laughs> I used to, my, my mantra used to be, success is the best revenge, which is like, like, so petty, but it was all I could do. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's real. I mean, it's such a, those terms have, like, I still feel that, you know. Yeah. I have, like, this big cat. I'm very fueled by, like, I'm fueled by my high school that was, like, go to college or you'll be a, you'll be a loser. Like, I think about that all the time. And I'm just like, bitch, I'll fucking show you, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm fueled by, like, hate comments. I'm very fueled by <laughs> success is the best revenge energy. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. It is petty. See? We're both petty. <laughs> <laughs> answer to your question just get a little petty <laughs> um something i wanted to say though which is big i think is i think we forget this is a big illusion of social media and looking at artists is like we look at people living and we attest this like you said this this is what clicked when you said story is like you test this whole story to them like you see this picture of a girl maybe she's like beautiful in her underwear she's painting she's in another country <laughs> and you're like oh my god you have this whole idea right <laughs> and it's just like you need to see these things as just, like, symbols. Like, you don't know anything about the person in the photo. You don't know where they are. You don't know what the situation is. You don't know anything. They could be, like, staying at their boyfriend's rich parent's house, and then there happens to be a nice studio, and they take a picture. Like, it could be so shallow, or it could be super deep. But, like, whatever it is, it's, like, we need to look at images as exactly what they are. They are images. We need to look at stories that people tell as stories, and then we need to take those things and be like, what are these going to symbolize for me? And how are they going to make me feel? Because you're in control of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, oh, my God, this girl is living this life. 
it's all her. She she did it. She's just so cool. She did it. You know, just be like, what does this show me about what's inside me? Like, what can this ignite in me? You know, mm-hmm. <sighs> nobody owns anything. <laughs> <laughs> Ownership is a scam. That's what's really great about life. <laughs> um, okay. And then this person had another question in the email we might as well answer now that we're here. What was it? This one's for James. Uh-oh. Spotlight. <laughs> Spotlight. Bright. Turns on. Uh-huh. Disco lights. I love a disco ball. Are you going to read it or do you my want me to read is, my own question to myself? I'll read it to you because okay. then, like, <laughs> then it's like to you. Hi, James. My question is, why don't I hear more about your life on the pod? Love, Gabby. <laughs> but assured, we want to hear more from you just as much. Equal power team. Okay. Um, um, I guess this question can be answered in many ways. Uh, the first one is I'm an enigma and I've always been one and I plan on staying that way. Um, and the second one is I'm a kind of a private person, I guess. And the third one is I feel like I talk about myself all the time, which I guess attests to how private I am if. I'm not giving enough, um, but, but I do feel like I share quite a bit, um, but this, but to me, this podcast isn't really about me or, or Gabby, it's about like ideas, and if we talk about ourselves, it's in mm-hmm. a connection to an idea that we're exploring, so um, I'm, yeah, I don't really want this podcast to be like focused around personality, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I know people love that, and I think it's the reality show effect, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I always think of how people always want more, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but usually, yeah, when we tell stories, it's kind of either off on a tangent, it's funny, or it's, like, really related to what's going on, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, also, like, (laughs) I don't know, like, my first instinct always with stuff like this is, like, James and I have been friends since we were five. Like we, like we know how to communicate. Yeah, with yeah, each other. yeah. <laughs> Leave Brittany alone. You know what I mean? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you know, if you stick around, you'll learn more about me. But like, I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you know, sign up for my Substack, and I'll talk more about myself there. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, March tenth. No. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know, like. I guess I'm not trying to be cagey. I guess, yeah, the answer is I'm not trying to be, like, cagey about my life. I just, I genuinely feel like I do share when it's appropriate. Also, like, I don't know what you guys are up to, but my life is, like, very much, like, work and cuddling right now. Like, uh, the quarantine has been very solitary (laughs) and, like, I don't, I'm just working on my projects which is amazing like I'm so happy to finally get the chance to do that and not work for other people but I mean my my life isn't I think there will be more stories later but at this point like (laughs) I could I could write like a little like schedule that basically repeats you know throughout the week and that's okay but there's not much to you know share and I try not to overshare with my childhood because uh you know then you know why I don't like jelly beans and uh cereal right so like (laughs) i don't know that's just pancakes and rice cakes and ambulances yeah no but you know what i mean like what do you want what do you want me to say um Um, yeah (laughs) 
Also, okay, my thing, I just have to say, because someone said this, it was, like, we did the Hawaii episode, like, we, like, James and I are very close, we talk all the time, and, like, we also plan the episodes in a way, and I remember there was the episode where, like, for 30 minutes I explained the, like, situation of me coming to Hawaii, and, like, it's literally me talking about this situation, and then we go into an episode about, uh, it was called, what was it, uh, Expectation versus Reality, Mm -hmm. and, like, somebody was, like, oh my god, like, Gabby just like dumps all her problems on James and I was like dude we planned that episode James was with me 24 7 through that issue Mm -hmm. she knew the whole story Mm -hmm. but we talked and we were like okay tell the whole story and then we'll we'll use that as a vessel for this thing and so it's like it's all like I don't know I just think what annoys me about this email is like we just be assured we want to hear from you it's like James isn't this like shy <laughs> like I don't know like she knows what she's doing bro yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> I guess I'm just like you know what I mean like I... in general I feel like and this this is a thing that's interesting like you can tell me how the exterior perce- perception is versus my interior perception but like I'm not super self-focused if that makes sense or self-attention centered if that makes sense does that make sense to you like, I don't think about myself yeah, at, like you're not. at that much. Like, I think about the work that I'm mm-hmm. doing and I think about things. But, like, my thoughts are, like, really fucking abstract. <laughs> and so a lot of times I just feel like an yeah, exi- yeah. a being that, like, exists in the ether. And then all of a sudden, like, an event will happen and then I'll, like, go into a form. <laughs> but, like, I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> No, I've been, you know, what's funny is since I've been here, I remember you used to always say throughout our, like, teen years and stuff where you'd be, like, you're, like, people are always thinking and you're, like, sometimes I just, I'm not thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. And I used to think, we used to talk about that a lot, Mm -hmm. and we used to think it was, like, trauma related, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, we used to be, like, oh, it's because of your weird childhood. But I think it's just mindfulness related. I think you know that now, too. Because since I've been in Hawaii where, like, I don't know, everything's, like, I don't know, just, like, way chiller. I just have these moments where I just don't think about anything. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there and I have no thoughts. And I realize it. And I'm like, this is so weird. I am usually always have something to say and do. And I end up having to, like, warn people around me and be like, honestly, I have no thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like, don't even bother. But I'm so peaceful that it's, like, not scary. And I was like, I completely understand that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of your, like, no thoughts, head empty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I Vibe. feel like I'm... It's really great. I the get closest it. thing to... I, I just feel like sometimes I feel like I'm a bot, you know, and then I turn on for, like, a specific purpose. But not in, like, an empty way, but just kind of, like, okay, a, yeah. a... I just feel like I, I practice, like, existing as much as possible. And it's just hard to mm-hmm. define that in words. Clearly, I'm struggling right now. And, like, something I like... <laughs> something I like to do is write, and that's partially why... I started the the newsletters on Instagram a year ago, and I'm starting this subsect mm-hmm. to go in more depth because I feel like I'm able to articulate more through words on a page about myself, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, because I guess the bot turns on to <laughs> to write something. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I had an exciting like- life pre-pandemic, pre, uh, so – you know, I look back on photos mm-hmm. and I was doing things all the time. But right now I'm just like, you know, in mm-hmm. a little embryonic sack with my projects and Joey and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Joey and Chris. Yeah. I like what you said about stories because I think this is something that I think I want our audience to be aware of and like every audience to be aware of is like 
I can't speak for everyone, but I think most people who share their lives and, like, share stories and, like, their personal life is 100% as a vessel to share an idea. And I always see this dialogue that's like, oh, this person's so obsessed with themselves, whatever they're talking about themselves. And it's like, it's always for a purpose. Like, it's always Mm -hmm. for, you know, it's like, I think there's nothing more important than, I mean, nothing more uh, interesting than, like, real life stories I mean our whole whole like artistic society is based on telling stories and it's like I don't know I, there's this really funny way that we are obsessed with information and like getting you know meta- metaphorical narratives to apply to our own lives and at the same time being like when people do that they're full of it or like when mm-hmm. people do that you know mm-hmm. it's very odd but yeah every story has a has a purpose or like you know mm-hmm. and what is a story it's like the later research on a present phenomenon you know i don't know mm-hmm. <sighs> like is a story you is it you is a story about your life you i don't know no i don't think so because also because a lot of the stories that we yeah. tell are operating in the past and the past isn't mm-hmm. isn't an accurate representation of the true present so yeah like a story is like a weaving of like an idea and like somewhat anchored to like a reality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. and even a story a lot of Trimmed stories are based down. off of memory and memories change with every time that we access mm-hmm. them so totally. the unreliable narrator I'm to kind of see my phone as the unreliable narrator that's what a human is mm-hmm. is that what a human is just an unreliable narrator. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. dude. <laughs> the unreliable narrator. Let's look that up because I know that's like a literary thing. Yeah. I'm going to see what the definition exactly is. Unreliable narrator. See, this question was like annoying and then it, <laughs> it got us here. An unreliable narrator is a narrator whose credibility is compromised. They can be found in fiction and film and range from children to mature characters. The term was coined in 1961. Wow. Such a twist ending forces readers to reconsider their point of view and experience of the story. Um, yeah. A narrator whose perception is immature or limited by their point of view. We're literally, that's what a human being is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> An unreliable narrator. Yeah, with, like, a perception. We're all so unreliable. (laughs) But it's, like, that's so fun. You know, it's, like, it's fun. We just have to be aware of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It takes the pressure off, if you ask me. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, sorry. (laughs) There's really no way for me to be (laughs) full of clarity and truth. (laughs) Um, <laughs> no, I love it. It's also a, a trope. Mm. It's a TV trope. Mm-hmm. It's such a good trope, yeah. though. It's a trope I can I can get behind. Yeah, that's a trope. I, yeah, new campaign. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're here. We're unreliable narrator. Get used to it. I'm so tired of campaigns, but I like that one. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so Guess much for what? that question. You're living in the age. <laughs> yeah, let's, we let's travel move on. that one. Um. <laughs> you know, like you know, like in basketball, they call it traveling when you hold the ball for too long. <laughs> no, you hold the ball and you move. That's what happened. You hold the move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you don't bounce it. That's what we just did. Yeah, we did. We traveled. Um, um, 
Okay, imposter syndrome question. This one is a recording, which is super fun. Oh, yeah, I love this question. Should we play that? Like, I'm thinking about time. Like, we're still, like, halfway through. I feel like we could make it, like, just as long as it goes. And just, like, if you want to stay around, stick around. We could put the questions in the bio. So, like, yeah, because then, you know, you're not just sitting here with us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if you like that, I love you for that because I feel (laughs) that's what we're doing today. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let me find the email. Hey, James and Gabby of Illusion Pod. Um, before I ask my question, I just want to fangirl over the two of you for a second. Uh, I have listened to a lot of podcasts, but I feel like Illusion Pod, I resonate with it more than any other podcast. Uh, sometimes I'll put on the podcast and it feels like I'm hanging out with the girls, but. I really appreciate that you guys um, just talk about, like, daily life things that normal people, I guess millennials, um, go through, the problems that we go through, just, like, daily life things. And then also I love that you guys, you know, take the time to, like, deconstruct societal illusions. Um I think it's amazing and I really resonate with the things that you guys say and every single episode is filled with at least a couple aha moments on my end so I really appreciate you guys for um, creating a space for me to question societal norms and um, provide space for me to kind of think outside of the box. Anyways, fangirling over question starting now um so my question for you guys today is about imposter syndrome um how do you guys handle imposter syndrome um how do you manage triggers um how do you even deconstruct the idea of feeling like an imposter right like where does that come from is it, does it come from the ego, right? Like the narrative, um, that you're trying to create, Uh, where does it, like, I'm confused as to where my imposter syndrome is coming from. So just for some background, um, my imposter syndrome kind of permeates all aspects of my life, but recently it's been like severely triggered because um, I'm applying to go to grad school at the end of this year. And typically for this program, people usually go, you know, straight out of college. And for me, I've worked for a few years and now I'm applying. So I'm going a little bit later in life. And that's kind of triggering this, like, I guess I just feel, I'm just curious as to why it's taking me so much longer. It's taken me so much longer than it would take the normal average person, right? Also, I'm aware that the educational system has not been uh, designed for people like me. And when I say people like me, like people that have ADHD, anxiety, depression. Um, And another triggering aspect of the imposter syndrome that I'm dealing with currently is that the school that I, not the school, but the program that I want to go to and my current partner he went to like the second best uh 
school and the world for this particular program and so I just like struggle a lot with questioning my worth uh because I'm basing it off of this like if this educational system wants me and then that kind of has blossomed into something bigger where it's like oh god my partner like he's gonna find out like if I don't get into any schools like he's gonna not love me anymore because he's gonna find out like I'm not smart but I mean he interacts with me every day and you know people value different things you know I might value like intelligent conversation and he might value someone that's kind and down to earth and I mean he's got that with me (laughs) but anyways not to ramble on I guess I'm curious as to how you guys deal with imposter syndrome and if you could deconstruct the illusion of being an imposter that would be awesome anyways i'm signing out thanks so much bye imposter syndrome this is a great question everyone deals with this i love this question so much on many levels thank you for sending it in you want to start because i feel like i actually so full disclosure i called gabby like two weeks ago and i was like yo i'm feeling imposter syndrome and gabby was like i don't feel that anymore so then we talked through it (laughs) (laughs) and so it's nice because you have you have two people who are like who have both been through it at different points on the timeline right now so go yeah um I said I don't feel anymore but I had it really really bad for about two to four years I think Mm -hmm. and that's what we got into was that a lot of my conversation with James was just assuring her that if you actively handle it like it's going to go away which I think is one of the most peaceful things to hear is that it will go away once you're within it and that's that's always something that helps me get out of any situation is knowing that it will go away and like really looking at at myself and being like well if it's going to go away eventually then do I want to suffer right now but with imposter syndrome I will say what's interesting is I don't have it with career and money stuff right now I think obviously that will happen again because I'm doing the same stuff I've been doing for about two years now Um, But when I first started getting attention online and I started monetizing online, I had the worst imposter syndrome in the world. And it wasn't just um, from just being, it was just so many reasons. It was being somebody in a completely new vessel of sharing, like the internet being like sort of this like influencer person. There's no examples of that. People are so ready to call you an imposter when you, you know, do things that, you know, other people attain through school and certain networks and just from the internet. Um, and also just living, I grew up in a family that didn't go to college, didn't have money, you know, so there was no example for me of, of that sort of attention and like (laughs) making money on your own. Like all those things were just so strange to me. And I was like, who, like, who am I fooling? Like, how am I, who am I conning? Like, you know, and I think a really, when I think of just, uh, imposter syndrome for career, because I want to say two things, there's so much I want to say, but Right now I'm experiencing imposter syndrome with love for the first time. Mm. And we should get into that after because this is a career question. But I do want to get some insight on the love stuff from you, (laughs) which I haven't called you about yet, um, but want to talk about. But so with the career stuff, I can say a really specific imposter syndrome moment for me that was so apparent and so tangibly I can tell the story is I was working retail in a bookstore. Um, Sai Soon was just a meme page, a lot of memes about art. And I was I had maybe 30K or so. And, um, yeah, it was just a hobby I was doing. I was, um, I think I'd just gone off anonymous. Like, it was just nothing there. And somebody from a college reached out to me, and they were arranging an art week at their school. And they said, 
Uh, it was Lewis and Clark College, <laughs> which is a major college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm someone who didn't go to college. My family didn't go to college. Um, so at this point, colleges were still kind of these scary intellectual places where everyone was better than me. And she was like, I would love to have you come speak. Like, I want you to come speak in a in a auditorium about memes and art. And I was stressed for a month. I almost backed out. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how am I going to talk to a bunch of people in a college? I didn't even go to college. I'm not educated. I'm not smart. All these things. Um, when in reality, I mean, I, the t- I was really educated on that topic. I had been making memes for like two years. I had studied art. I was working at an art bookstore and constantly reading art about art. And I was so freaked out and I did a really complete presentation. I remember I got there. I was so freaked out. I put this presentation together. I had people in the area come and be on a panel and I just did it. And I was so scared. And then afterward, I looked at the whole situation and I was like, you know, <laughs> like all that stress for something that kind of just makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? And I want to say like, like I went there, I talked in a room. This girl was a fan of my page. She happened to be in charge of an art week, got a budget, chose me. I spoke to like 25 people, you know, who were interested in the topic or who were just friends with the girl, <laughs> you know? And then it was over and it worked, you know, and I think like that was like for me the turning point of being like, I need to look at these things as just making sense because the only thing that doesn't make sense is the invention that, you know, someone speaking in a college has to be some kind of, you know, (laughs) PhD, like Mm -hmm. fancy, like high regarded, you know, uh, parents in the network type person and I was like I made all of that up for nothing and I was like this just makes sense and I just need to start telling myself and look at the moving parts of something and be like it makes sense someone liked what I did they had an opportunity she needed me as much as I needed her you know in the sense that she needed to fill her art week with things that she thought would be compelling she happened to choose me I happened to be someone she liked and that's all that there is to it um and Something else about imposter syndrome that I think doesn't get discussed a lot is that usually we hear about the self-doubt aspect, like, I'm too small, I'm not good enough, I'm conning people. But I think what we also forget to look at is the imposter syndrome that is your uncomfortable feeling with being too big Mm -hmm. and sort of how uncomfortable it felt for me to be speaking at a college and to kind of be in a you know, in a vibration in a community that I've never been part of before and being like, what does that say about me? You know what I mean? Like, who the fuck am I? Right. Mm-hmm. And people don't talk about this enough, but like facing your own glory is really fucking weird. And it's just as weird, but less, it's almost like less common than facing your own smallness because we're filled with many ways to feel small every day. That's the easiest thing to do. But in those moments where you feel big and, and smart and people are making you feel that way is like, we don't talk about that as much because people are just like, shut up and be grateful. But I think there's two sides of the imposter syndrome coin and it's like, I'm conning people. And then there's also like, you know, the, that discomfort of just being so good at something, you know, like being recognized for something, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't want, both are very uncomfortable, I think. Um, but I just think looking at the moving parts for me is really helpful is being like, Oh, people happen to like me and want to buy something that I made, that's it, mm-hmm. you know, it's not this grand story of anything, or, you know, this person felt I was qualified for this and chose me, okay, sure, mm-hmm. I'll take it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just, like, I was saying to James on the phone, it's, like, 
imposter syndrome I've just experienced it so much with so many new things that I'm at the point where like when it comes on again I can look back and say okay remember that stressful month every day I woke up with a nervous stomach because I was going to speak at this college Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then I get there and it was so normal and just a part of my life and I was like I don't want to waste my time ever again like that (laughs) you know yeah and that's what it is. It's like this feeling is going to end. You're going to get used to whatever that job is, whatever that thing is, and it's going to become the norm, Yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not even – you might get that thing that you have imposter syndrome for. You might get into that program, get into that position, and then not want it anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And being aware of that reality is so freeing because it reminds you to not let yourself suffer and not add weight to these passing moments of self-sabotage, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like just go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with everything you just said and I'm so glad that this question came up. Um from my like my corner of the world. Um I just recently like as I said <laughs> we talked about this and something that I've kind of realized in the past even like 3 weeks is like imposter syndrome to me is now this like cute like sweet thing almost like I've started viewing Mm. it as kind of like oh my gosh like you're back because what that shows me is Mm. the imposter syndrome kind of like you were saying (laughs) it happens because you're expanding and the ego is like clinging to Mm. old structures so the imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome and what I'm doing is like reframing it as like a reminder that I'm growing and that's really exciting mm-hmm. and something that so good you know it's like you can't you're not actually gonna let imposter syndrome stop you so then like and if you sh- do then don't do that like don't let it stop you but you're actually just mm-hmm. if anything you can use it as like a thing to move forward and be like I'm gonna spite you and and take you on and and it's like you're going to do mm-hmm. the thing anyway, right? Like, so why are you dwelling with it and wasting your energy, which is what you just said. But, like, it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of cute. Like, I've now, like, decided, like, imposter is, like, a cute little, like, clown that comes in and is, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm an imposter. You know. That is so, I love that take so much. Like, that's now I'm having my emotional moment. Um, truly. No, it's really true because. That wouldn't be there unless you were doing something new and mm-hmm. big and that is going to change you, you know, and enjoy it. You know, it's almost like the first moments of like romance where you like don't want to say I love you yet. It's like that's so rare and like that moment's going to be gone before you know it. Yeah. And soon enough, you're, you know, the course, the job, the college, whatever is just going to be the norm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. Making imposter syndrome sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Also, something so that specifically to this question about education and dealing with like the imbalance of a partner like the fact that you I just I really relate to this question I'm I don't come from like a college educated background either and like my current partner went to a top top school and I remember being really mm, not not embarrassed by that because I feel like I've I had kind of moved past the point of being embarrassed about college but there was there was sort of a lingering feeling at the beginning of like is this gonna affect our relationship and you know if if someone can't see past the institution to like the personality Mm. and like the fact that you do give 
you know, whatever you said, love and companionship, like <laughs> you're, I can just hear in your voice, you're like a sweet, loving person. And that's what you need to like focus on. And that's all that matters. Like the out, hot voice, the ecstasy. Yeah. Very, very like soothing hot, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? The exterior, <laughs> soothing hot voice, the exterior doesn't matter. These like institutions, the things that they give you don't, don't make you like a better partner, you know? And so this person is lucky to have you. If anything, it's like blase. Like we're at, we're at a time in like society. It feels like we're like college is like getting the boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> and even like the Ivy League institutions are being reassessed in a way where it's like they're the cons. Yeah, they're the imposters. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real for a second. I don't think individuals are the imposters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to have a con job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can we talk about imposter syndrome in love? Because that's a new thing for me. Yeah. Because I've always had it with career stuff, with money stuff. Like, I feel like my whole life is, like, avenging, like, I don't even know if that's the word, like, avenging my family and, like, being, like, I can, I can make money. I can have a good time. Um, but with love, it's always been, like, yeah, you know, it's so easy. But, like, this person I'm getting to know, we're just, like, fucking, like, it's just too good to be true. And we both say that. We're both aware of it. But I, I was, like, what am I doing? I was, like, am I just, like in Maui like I was like is this me like who am I being like like it's he's bringing out a whole other side of me and I'm like is he bringing out a whole other side of me or am I just like stepping up to the act (laughs) (laughs) and as someone you who we've both had a lot of big relationships but I guess someone who's in sort of a very I think I saw you have that too good to be true moment Mm -hmm. but really gracefully like was there anything inside you at any time where you were like wow, I'm really good at pretending and one day the jig is going to be up. Like, Mm. did you have that feeling? Mm. (coughs) Mm. Trying to think about the beginnings. Um. (laughs) I think that was a while ago. Yeah. That's interesting. I definitely remember feeling like, okay, this person is really great and I just felt like so good about it that I just didn't want to like look back and I yeah because I'm also like a very just like all all or nothing type of a girl and so I think that's sort of what contributed to me just being like (laughs) oh fucking k let's like buckle up and see what happens you know but I think it's kind of like if Mm -hmm. you do feel so comfortable to someone and you do feel this like extreme pull it's like obviously you're going to respond in kind, right? And that's that's not being performative. It's mm-hmm. just matching that energy and like and if it can happen quickly, I think that there's a way to you know, not give yourself up entirely because you want to be able to always be with yourself and everything. But I don't I I don't know. I like it can just be weird because I think we're also kind of told through these stories like movies and romantic comedies that like romance is hard and like we shouldn't like just meet the one that we really like can love and yeah i hate that shit and that's bad narrative bad it's a bad narrative it doesn't help anybody and you know and yeah i just think i when i read um modern love by aziz ansari he talked about his parents who like were set up and they've been together ever since. And, like, a lot of arranged marriages are actually like that. Mm. And something about that for me has always stuck around where it's, like, you know, we're, we always are told there's another person out there. And 
but there are people that just commit to a, a vibe and learn, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then if there are those people that can make arranged marriages work, then why can't there be people that just like truly feel love quickly, you know? <laughs> yeah. And make it work. Yeah. yeah. I feel like our relationship, you and I, like our friendship has showed me how possible that is Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like because you and i have been we've lived together for like what it was like six years maybe so long (laughs) we've been in each other's lives like 24 7 but like even the times in our lives where we would see each other every day for like maybe three years Mm -hmm. like you know and i would see that and see sort of like some of the very few you know sort of disagreements we got into things Mm -hmm. like that and just how every single one like once it was figured out just led to like a closer bond and I just feel like it's such an example for me of how romantic partnership can be. I mean, if you guys are interested in this, we had the love versus partnership episode, mm. love in all forms, mm-hmm. which I think we got into this. And it's like you and I have had a partnership. Like we've sure. had moments of like deep partnership where we like helped each other survive and create. And when I look at that, I'm like, dude, it's so possible. It's just like two people have to be committed to one another which is easier in friendship you know Mm -hmm. what I mean because it's a less saturated version but I wonder why it's so much easier in friendship to be like oh she's my friend for life (laughs) you know yeah 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 I guess it's all the all the sex and love (laughs) well I think there's also just the like but it does yeah the exterior hype of like finding your partner and it's not there isn't as much you know Valentine's Day isn't a real fucking holiday but Valentine's Day (laughs) I mean I guess you know whatever I don't want to hate on Valentine's Day but like you know the institution of love and marriage and like <laughs> fuck it fuck up. yeah um, it's so yeah it's a whole thing and it's it's a hype it's like a, the hype beast that no one asked for right mm. and I think that's really what it comes Truly. down to but it's easier to like have a casual best friend for 24 years and you know no one's like are you guys getting married you know because it's like the pressure isn't there to like <laughs> you know buy the ring or whatever like yeah, it's a whole it's thing true. No one trying to steal you away. Yeah. You know. I think I like your advice of being like, it's a cute thing. Like, it's cute that I have imposter syndrome for the first time in, like, a romantic situation because it's that good. Yeah. Absolutely. Also being on the island, too, everything feels sort of, (laughs) like, I think, (laughs) like, just being here is, like, everything feels part of almost, like, a vacation bubble, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, like, I'm falling for this person in a very real way. It's, like, we have so many of the same sort of, like, life goals and things, but I'm also, like, I'm on, like, a sort of never-ending vacation here. Yeah. And it's, like, being at a festival. It's, like, yeah, you can fall in love with someone at a festival because you're at a fucking festival, right, you know? Right, right, right. So who fucking knows? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm in the summer of my life. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What happens when the wristbands are cut off? But... <laughs> <laughs> what happens when literally I had to have a wristband to get here because <laughs> it's funny that's wild speaking of the wristband symbol <laughs> um okay, I have some good news that as of one hour ago <laughs> the tsunami watch for Hawaii has been canceled after the Pacific Tsunami Warning Center determined a strong quake off New Zealand posed no threat to the islands Ooh. so I'm not gonna have my uh rescue fantasy <laughs> I'm not gonna have my man in a pickup truck fantasy you know I'm joking I'm so glad that's good yeah it didn't seem real (laughs) um all right let's get back to these questions um okay so this was a one about sound healing frequency healing let's hear it 
Hey, Gabby and James. Um, I have a question for you guys and the illusion pod. Um, so I recently got employed by someone who does sound frequency healing and I mean, it's really interesting to me, but it also confuses me a lot and I don't know, like I'm kind of wondering if there's any validity to it at all and um but I don't know it's intriguing and I just thought you guys would probably have an interesting opinion on it so yeah I'm just wondering what your guys' thoughts are on it I like this question a lot because I feel like there's just so much to say yeah (laughs) um um I would, I guess James and I both have, like, parents that, like, went down that road. I really want to say that my dad is, loves, oh, my God, he, like, loves this sound healing, like, recordings. And one time, not that long ago, this was maybe only, like, a couple years ago, my dad was, like, I play this every single day in the house. And he was, like, my eyesight got better. My eyesight is better. (laughs) And he was, like, before, he was, like, I couldn't see the letters over there. He was, like, I've been playing this every day and now I can I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> so. so there you go. There, um, no, I think yeah. that's that's a that's a good indicator of kind of where we're both at with sound healing. Um, my dad mm-hmm. used to do yoga to different like chakra frequencies, and he would mm-hmm. tailor the flow that he created for himself to like hit different frequencies of chakra throughout Mm -hmm. the practice. So, um, and I did those like with him a couple times and it definitely felt really good. But I I think sound is vibration. Vibration is sound. Mm -hmm. Um, We should put that in here. Who makes the sound? Yeah, let's insert a little. Sound is vibration. The sound is taken. Sound is vibration. And the ground is shaking. Vibration is sound. Yo, we found your replacement. Vibration is sound. Now who makes the sound? Um, no, I do think sound, when I think of how energy feels inside a human body, I'm like, sound is the closest way to kind of understand it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because sound literally is vibration and we are all just vibrational beings. And so if anything, mm-hmm. that's the closest to our purest form that we can understand. And, um... Like, literally, different sound frequencies give off different, like, create different emotions. Um, mm, time travel. And, Song, like, if you even think travel. of something as simple as a time travel. <laughs> Dude, you can travel time in 2021. Sorry. Um, if you think of something as simple as, like, a sound bowl, right? Like, if you get, like, a sound mm. meditation with a sound bowl, that really, you can just feel something shift. Um, on but like they have to be good at cellular That's another thing I want to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't work for it's like, like a speaking novice. of sound healing. <laughs> yeah, it's like sound healing. I think like it's a specific. Like I feel like sound healing is like I've literally had friends be like, I have a drum like and a gong like, sound healing sesh, and it's like just hearing random shit is not sound healing. Like for it's sure, for sure, yeah. hearing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely hearing things. <laughs> Um, but I do think there's a, there's definitely a science to it. I think there's mm-hmm. both a science to it and a necessary symbolic, you know, like I think my energy can be completely altered by a song that I have mm-hmm. not only 
a frequency connotation too. Like it's somehow just like the the way that it's made and whatever sounds they're making just like really vibrate amazingly in my body. Um, but also symbolic connotation of like what that song means to me, but someone else may not. And I, I think that's also really interesting is like, there are so many ways to raise your vibration in this world, you know, just mm-hmm. look at church. Church does it all the time, singing songs together. Totally. Playing certain things. There's, And I think first you have to buy into it in the sense that you have to truly believe in it on a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. And then second, you know, but that's kind of what it takes, you know. But sound mm-hmm. healing is one of the ones that I think has more validity in the sense that scientifically it is you are responding to these vibrations as a vibrational body, you know. Yeah. Also water. I was thinking, if someone said this recently for some other reason, I think it was with the whale watching, with the whale sounds, and that sound mm. travels through water extremely fast, mm. faster than anything. That's amazing. So if, I like, didn't you know hear, that. I didn't know that either. I got to Google it. But And then I was thinking about that in relation to human frequencies, and I was like, well, if we're 90% water and sound you know there's something there mm-hmm. sound traveling like it's much faster much clearer through water than air yeah there's also Seriously. something called while well, you bring that up there's something called uh binaural beats and um it's when you hear two tones one in each ear that are slightly different in frequency and your brain processes a beat mm. at the difference of the frequencies and these binaural beats mm. um can help fight anxiety stress and negative mental states um so Mm. that's something that is actually like a a science that people are studying actively um and i Mm -hmm. you know if that's out there why not (laughs) why not sound healing so i googled sound through medium sound travels fastest through solids medium through liquids and the most slowest through gases Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Why solids? I mean, it's like if I yell in a room, it's going to be less heard than... Oh, it travels, I think it has so something to really do with the, the density of of the atoms that... Because sound doesn't sound like it's a wave that travels through atoms. So if there's more atoms, mm-hmm. it'll travel faster as a wave. That's very, 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 very true density yeah so i guess we are just like the perfect match for sound (laughs) yeah um yeah also like out of all the senses like the ears are like insane (laughs) just as a concept Mm -hmm. you know like they're like little amphitheaters (laughs) yeah it's like the tiny little hairs that hear hear for us what is that yeah like we had to like grow that shit like the sound is sound is <laughs> is here it's queer no it's here it's like very <laughs> visible well something also like this is what i think about with guided meditations a lot is people's tones of voice are so potent and affect the way that we perceive what they're saying right mm-hmm. and that's amazing yeah like what is that <laughs> Someone tell me. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Someone. Uh, throwing questions right back at you. guide her. <laughs> I think there's a lot of validity in sound healing. But I do think that in hippie communities, like, I don't know who you're working with. I think it's going to be very interesting and fun. 
but I think I have witnessed in a lot of sort of like hippie communities this like sound healing, Reiki healing, and it's like I mean there's an there's both an art to it and a connection that's necessary. So you know, yeah, it's an art. But sound, a I think, skill. Yeah. You can't just pick up like a gong and you know hit it in someone's ear. It's that's painful. <laughs> you know, not all nature sounds are created equal. It's like there's all these things. Yeah, you gotta. Totally. Like, some people really connect to whale sounds. Some people get scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think sound, no, and, like, it's one of the few things I feel like on a scientific level, like, holds weight, where it's, like, you know, or on a tangible level in the sense that, like, the metaphors are just, like, too strong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, sound is vibration. Like, I am vibrating. It's, like, really, like, in your face, I think. Yeah. Um, I would, if I were you, if you're, like, so, you get to be so in close proximity to this, like, sound healing experience, like, if I were you, I would, like, fully buy into it for a while and just, like, really, like, treat it like a religion for a second and just see what happens, just in case. Yeah. Yeah, what do you have to lose? Because most people go to, what, a sound healing, like, once. I one time went to this thing in Venice. It was called Inner Dance. Uh Uh-huh. And it was, like, (laughs) it was crazy. (laughs) It was all of us in a room. (laughs) Just, like, the con, like, it's such a crazy thing. But my friend wanted to try it, and I, like, bought it for us for her birthday or something. It was, like, $45 for, like, an hour and a half. And you went in this room that was quite small. Everyone was on yoga mats and, like, peaceful. And the girl, the woman just, like, played music really loud. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, intuitively. Like, but she wasn't playing music from an instrument. It was from, like, really good speakers. And it was, like, specific, but it was, like... It Wait, wasn't... so she was DJing tracks? Like, she was a DJ? <laughs> she was literally, like, yeah. Like, that's what's so interesting about this is, like, exactly. Like, it's, like, it was marketed as, like, this inner dance, like, experience. But it really was just someone playing music in a room. And so they're a DJ, too. But I had such an experience. Like, I had a full trauma-unlocking experience. And I think it was just because the intention was there and I was, like, in the space for it. And my friend didn't feel anything. She was like, I always feel awkward when, like, I do these things and nothing happens. But, like, I think I actively bought into it, mm-hmm. which was literally just this Venice studio with this girl that was like, this is inner dance. <laughs> um, yeah, she was just like, I'm going to play music for an hour and a half. We're going to be here in the dark. And she was like, you can move. Just do whatever compels you to do. And I'm just going to intuitively play music. But it wasn't, like, pop music. It was, like... Mm-hmm. hippie like rejuvenating music that was like you know there's some chance so fun but i had a whole like i had a whole psychedelic kind of like meditation i cried and wow. um but it was just because i think what it it more so attests to is like first sound is so powerful music is so powerful but like just like any kind of ma- mindfulness is powerful and how often do you get to be in in a moment where someone says you can't be on your phone you can't do anything but listen to this music in the dark you know mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah absolutely so that's pretty much what it was but you do have to buy into it i could have sat there and thought about other stuff but i was like i paid 45 fucking dollars i'm gonna like meditate yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna meditate on this on this uh fucking return to innocence what is it artist enigma music <laughs> yeah i had a similar yeah. experience where i got to go to the integratron in joshua tree which is like a little Wait, what is that it's a little um sort of circular dome circular dome it's a dome in the desert that has like this storied past where it could communicate with aliens and possibly time travel but then it was defunct Mm. and then these people Mm. bought it and turned it into a basically a sound bath studio but the cool thing about the integratron 
is if you stand the, in the center of it, the um, the radius is the the length of your your aura and your like body's energy field. So if you speak and you mm. your the sound is echoed back at you, and you can feel like the width of your aura like it's really trippy what so i didn't know you went there (laughs) yeah i got to go that's insane i got to go with two people it was like a a last minute thing and it was like really amazing because they're normally booked out Mm. um and i was like i totally was i knew about it before i have a friend who had like a crazy experience there like years ago when it was still like freaky time travel place and so i was really excited but what was their experience their experience it's a long story, but basically she went there and sat in this chair and the guy who was running the place was like old and mean. And she, <laughs> from her telling of it was she, I guess they put music on or something. And it was like the music was her voice singing and she's a singer. And then she, mm. I guess maybe started crying or something. And then tears were like flowing on her face. And then she was like transported out of her body across the desert and she was able oh to God. track that it like she was like going straight to like area 52 or something like that but mm. this woman is very like in touch with sort of the alien realms i would say and like a mm. lot more in those realms than these realms um and so that all made sense but so i was really excited to go because i was like this place has a lot of energy <laughs> but like the person next to me one of the people i went with like fell asleep so you know you never know like Mm -hmm. you you bring your own uh expectation to experience yeah yeah Yeah, like my friend my friend yeah was like fucking in the dark like anxious (laughs) yeah it's really and that goes with everything (laughs) yeah you can i don't know i can project a lot of energy onto this cup you know and then have a psychedelic experience yeah 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 yeah. um okay what else what was this art and magic question okay have there been any songs albums or artists that have connected with you and helped you on your spiritual journey um for me i when i was in probably i would say 14 13 14 i like fell into a cat stevens phase and that was transformative and like in probably a really cliche way now but listening to tea for the tillerman was like just if i would ride the bus and just go to like a free yoga class and come back and go to work and take the bus everywhere and i just have these memories of walking along and listening to tea for the tillerman and where do the children play and being like this is it man like (laughs) We're unbound. <laughs> okay, Where Do the Children Play is such a good song, but it's so weird, you know? Yeah. Like when you yeah, listen yeah. to it, you're like, why am I feeling this so hard? He's talking, he's saying, Where Do the Children Play? Like, I know, I know. Well, that's, I feel like a lot of Cat Stevens is kind of like that, where he's like, and the one that's like, if Peace you want train. to sing out, sing out. And you're like, if you sing want out. to be free, be free. And you're like, free, I be free. do. He's just a hippie. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, fantastic. That was, that was my, I think, something that i can really connect to on like a transformative level but there's also been other ones but i think that's kind of the main the main one what about you 
I would say for sure on like a teenage level was like there was this really cool edgy girl and she had Coke Rosie on her MySpace and it was Werewolf. <laughs> Coke Rosie for me and Devendra mm-hmm. Banhart, those two, like in tandem, <laughs> like at the same time they like changed my life. Like I had a yeah. huge hippie phase. Like I had a like yeah, I, I had the whole dressing up, almost got almost symbol tattooed on me. <laughs> like I was like fully in that world of like everything spiritual is hitting me. But it was Kokrozy and Kokrozy was just such a weird you know, I guess the albums to begin with, especially Noah's Ark. Um yeah, Noah's Ark mainly in like like La, La Maison du Mon Rive or something in French, mm-hmm. the French one. Those are like the two first ones that have like Werewolf, Promise, Noah's Ark, all those things. And it was just they made such weird music. And a lot of it was so, <laughs> I don't want to say nonsense, but it was definitely poetry, like metaphorical poetry. They weren't saying things that were necessarily spiritual, but that's not what I needed. I just needed someone to just get weird. Yeah. And then Devendra Banhart, who's just literally just brings the sort of grounded, simple, very spiritual um, music. Uh, I would say his album Nino Rojo. Mm. number one i still play it through and through all the time i feel like those two combined in a sense because kokorozi has this very ethereal fairy energy and then devendra has this very like grounded like his some of his lyrics are literally like we all know that the wind blows and the moon glows <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so he'll say that to you and you're like yes and then kokorozi will be like amber rushing out of the <laughs> waterfall fairy eyeball gushing <laughs> um so they really <laughs> really 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 hit me like they still do i still i don't know they're just like yeah yeah <laughs> big 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 energy yeah absolutely i Anything also feel recently like for you for for some reason cheryl crow has always been like a a constant grounding oh, so energy you. for me it doesn't even I really make you sense when i think of her but like her song maybe angels and yeah, it does. Maybe she's angels. just like a driving force. Maybe like angels she's... is crazy. Yeah, that's a really good. That one. song should be more popular. You showed me that one. You guys, yeah. maybe angels by Cheryl Crow. That's a really good song. So James. good. Just I want to listen to it right now. I'm gonna listen to it later. She's a grounding. She's a grounding force. Yeah. Yeah. And she's Anything like in LA. Recently... She's like Malibu. Well, she's a country star too. She was like a Nashville baby. Which is cute as fuck. Yeah, it's a big sure. industry. It's like the beauty industry. Like the country industry to me is like the beauty industry. Like I have no ties, but I'm like that's that big thing over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of money on that side of town. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I would say Willow recently for me mm-hmm. in this kind of more sort of internet-y way. Like I feel like Willow and maybe Mariba were two artists in the past like two to three years. I just felt like fulfilled me with this very kind of like new almost like this like new age like internet spirituality feeling mm-hmm. like willow to me reminds me of like digital spirituality like mm. how we kind of all have this like common love like knowledge right now and like manifestation and everything because of like tiktok and instagram but it's still so true and real yeah and kind of like shape-shifty and very based in imagery you know so it's like mm-hmm. when i listen to like joan de and coco for example it feels very kind of invisible and of course they had their lifestyles and styles that were very alternative but i listen to like willow and i think of like the how like the internet spirituality like who i am now like female energy female energy part two i'll say is like a song that has made me feel the most spiritual in the past year as a new song mm-hmm. for sure yeah. yeah i feel like for me 
in the past like year couple of years um rostam uh is one of Hell my yeah. favorite artists he's such a like uplifting force and i'll definitely come back to him like when i really need somebody to tell me that it's going to be good um and then remember when we went to the rostam show yes at the bro like to me that's such a definitive yeah and it was like after going to like a stinky like punk show yeah ah, so good. i just like to me i don't know about you but for me that was such a defining like narrative for me yeah absolutely well, it was like i had this like we went to this like weird sort of like we went to like a di it was like what echo park rising i enjoy yeah. echo park rising if i'm like back backstage or something but not like as a guest but we were like audience members at echo yeah. park rising and like it was just like it seemed fun but it was just like messy and like you know, everyone's drinking beer and, like, glorifying shit, basically. <laughs> and then we were there. And then my friend was like, oh, like, Rostam is playing for free at the Broad Museum Courtyard. So we, like, went right after this punk show. We went to the Rostam show. It was me, James, and Zoe. And we were, like, dressed cute. And we went there. And it was, like, so spiritual, so magical, so spaced out. Everyone was so uh like peaceful like the the you know of course he attracts like peaceful like spiritual people and it was just such mm-hmm. a better environment and i just remember having those two environments in the same day and being like damn like it's okay <laughs> it's okay to like this way better yeah yeah you know? yeah 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 he's what he's a great, great artist rostam is yeah and he always wears the same thing right he wears a puffer vest um anyone else for you um i love gabriel garzon montano uh he's just i don't know something about his <laughs> i don't know who that is he <laughs> he's a person um <laughs> uh james when were you gonna tell me about gabriel Gar- no okay <laughs> uh, um, but no i don't know who that is tell us about him he's someone i started listening to in i guess 2016 <laughs> which is crazy to think about but um what was his album that really got me uh jardin which i think is garden and um, <laughs> something with me is, like, I listen to things a lot of times for sort of the colors that they evoke for me. And his colors mm-hmm. are just really, like, um, lots of oranges and deep reds and, like, bright greens. Ooh, nice. And it's just, like, a really beautiful visual, like, visual landscape. Um, and you can really mm-hmm. just get lost in that. So if anyone want some oranges <laughs> head over <laughs> head over to Jardin the photos yeah. <laughs> head over to the Gabrielle Gonzalez <laughs> <laughs> I just think of like in Vicky Christina Barcelona when they're saying all the Sp- like all the American people are saying the Spanish names and they're like his name is Juan Antonio Gonzalo <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's such a like part <laughs> it's like my favorite thing uh, okay, wait, I have to pee. One second. Okay. Okay, also, I also want to say, I can't believe I forgot this, but literally Moses Subney is, is it like, a prophet for me. Like, his, his entire being is just so important to this world and his music. I just, I can't. I can't. So, we got to see him in person at Desert Days, and I, I we... I've just never felt more alive, like, on viewing, like, a, a musical performance. He's so good. I just, his his visual, his his vocals are incredible. His stage presence, like, he's 
funny. Like, I didn't expect him to be so mm-hmm. funny because he's so, like, commanding and kind of hot, you know? But he's just a funny character. Yeah. I don't know. Um, gotta, gotta shout out. At Desert Days, though, he was, <laughs> like, too much for the stage. Like, I remember being really annoyed with the whoever decided the stage he was on. Like, do you remember, like, he only got to play, like, two songs, like, fully because of all the... Uh, technical difficulties which is like symbolic of I think the artist he was it was like no put him on the big stage like there's all these instruments like he's a major artist but they had him on a small stage and it just kept fucking up because it was too good it was too uh, layered for the small stage yeah but then that was he handled that with grace yeah he had like a quartet with him yeah which was insane and we were all everyone was so fucking excited oh desert days man yeah I you know what I really miss, of course, duh, I miss that shit so much, but there's an open, like, there's a, like, man with a guitar playing at the cafe today from, like, three to five, like, my favorite cafe, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go because I haven't seen someone sing, like, I haven't seen someone perform in a year, and I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna, like, just watch, I think, which is so funny because before the pandemic, I would have never wanted to see a man with a guitar sing, like, at a cafe, but here we are, I'm 14 again. (laughs) The pandemic has made us all go back to our teenage help or regressing. Like wow, the bus is so fun. Wow, I can't believe I'm on the bu- I'm on the bus right now. I can't believe I'm watching a guy play <laughs> guitar. I can't believe I'm at the mall. <laughs> Do my parents yeah, exactly. know? Can I sleep over tonight? <laughs> Can I please sleep over? <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to go on a date with someone that I hardly like. <laughs> Just like post pandemic, like yeah, standards. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you think there's gonna be a renaissance after the pandemic i think i had a dream last night about a renaissance i mean possibly that's what everyone's saying and i, I think people watch a kind of like need to believe that to get through this moment you know but mm. i kind of think the because people are comparing True. it to like the old renaissance and the plague and then the roaring 30s or 20s or whatever and i think it was a different time where we didn't have this constant ability to mobilize and evolve through technology. And so although like there have been there have been so many things that have been put on hold, there has been a lot of evolution despite the pandemic. And so I don't know if it's going to be the same thing. But mm. I, I, I'm sure that there will be amazing things that happen because we have the resources to do to get together again but i don't know Mm. i'm just maybe i'm being cynical but you know what i mean like i it's not like (laughs) the renaissance where there was the bubonic plague and you know or (laughs) that there was a world war and then we had a the epidemic of the flu pandemic that was a different thing because i know we're such babies now our standards are lower like the pandemic probably feels the way that the bubonic plague felt to everyone because Back then, they were, like, farming and right, shit. that's true. Like, the pandemic was, like, our version, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I feel like there'll be a renaissance with, like, I feel like romance or, like, just romanticism will come, because I already see mm-hmm. that happening. Like, I think poetry is coming back mm-hmm. in a way. I see more people seeking poetry than I've seen in years. I just, like, feel like people are going to be more indulgent with I just like we came out of a time where it's like everyone like hates men and like <laughs> like everyone's like being poly like I don't know like I don't know like there's all these like strains on like romance and like everyone's confused and like wants to like reinvent yeah, yeah, yeah. it but I feel like for all like there will be a moment no matter what your like orientation or like if you're poly whatever but like more of an emphasis on like romance and like touch and like 
committing to it and not seeing it as kind of this I don't know like even culturally with music it was like lead with money and career and like love is this like secondary thing I feel like Mm -hmm. it might be centered I'm also projecting because I was really career driven this whole time and thought that love was just this like fucking dessert yeah and now I'm here. Yeah, I was so. going to say, you are literally falling in Who love. Knows? So. <laughs> and I'm like, so everyone is. <laughs> so just because I am. No, but I, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. And I do think there will be a lot more people that, you know, maybe you didn't go to a music festival before, but you're, you want to go now because you had a whole year of being like, there will never be another one again. And I never tried, you know, people just trying things out because. No, I want to see a man with yeah. a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about a a man with long hair and a guitar <laughs> a at cafe a cafe acoustic that's performance. For free. <laughs> exactly. I'm like hyped. That's just how it is now. I think I'm gonna watch like a I really wanna watch like a educational documentary on the Renaissance. Yeah. I, like one that just has like images. Yeah, I'm down with that. I think yeah, I feel like I need to be more educated on what's going on before I make a call on whether or not we're gonna have one. <laughs> I did study I studied medieval <laughs> literature some- and renaissance. Um, literature when I did go to community college I went hard with like literally old English Love literature that. so uh, they did some they did some good work back then <laughs> yeah <laughs> they did yeah I want to like understand it I've always wanted to go to the Renaissance Fair I still haven't I had also in my dream last night I was like that's something mm-hmm. I need to do I would love to go to the Renaissance <laughs> Fair my mom used to work at the Renaissance Fair I'd love to go with like a guy yes she did mm-hmm. what a queen <laughs> okay so we have a few more questions two people sort of asked the same question and so I kind of want to combine that one yeah I was saying we should do one more hello James and Gabby first of all I love you second of all my question for you for the pod is about your coping mechanisms. Lately, when I have found myself upset, angry, unbalanced, I have thought to myself, what would James and Gabby do? And I try to realign myself. But I was wondering <laughs> what you both do to pull yourselves back when you are feeling that way and you don't want to be reactive. You both seem very peaceful to exist with, question mark. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. So that's one of them. And then the other is what advice do you have for handling big big emotions like those deep hormonal emotions that can be so oppressive and overwhelming not often but sometimes those types of feelings erase all my knowledge of grounding and breath work and perceptive awareness and possess me for a few hours mm-hmm. most times when i reach this point of emotional overwhelm it devolves into a panic attack sometimes very rarely i'll straight up i'll straight up throw a tantrum After these episodes, I always have a moment of clarity as the reason returns to my body, followed by a big wave of shame for acting like a child. Any tips for holding on to reason and truths Mm. in states of emotional overwhelm or working through shame after an emotional display? Or should I be consulting a professional? Lol, JK, I don't have insurance. Mm. Okay, so that's... um, (laughs) First of all, we love you. Second of all... We hear you. Neither of us have gone. You had therapy for a little. We both didn't have insurance. Um, A lot of our coping mechanisms were built from the ground fucking up, baby. (laughs) Yeah. The therapist Um, that I had ended up being an intern, which I didn't realize at the time of my treatment. (laughs) Um, Because it was with Medi-Cal, right? No, it was through like a UCLA cancer program. It wasn't Mm. even... Anyway. um, (laughs) So... (laughs) 
sit there. I don't know. Talk you about wanted more on James's again. life. <laughs> Look what you did. She just said the C word. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Um, so yeah, I think those questions are pretty similar in terms of just basically being. They're like, so good. When you have big emotions, how do you cope with them? How do you be practice uh, non-reactivity? What do you do in the ap- aftermath if you do actually lose your shit? Um, which happens to all of us, so no shame. Also, okay, about the emotional overwhelm and you being like, I do this whole tantrum, I do this whole performance. I think doing the performance is amazing. Just do it in private. I have this, mm-hmm. like, I think, you know, if I feel like a big wave of, like, some emotion that I know is, like, Maybe it's a possessive emotion, a jealous emotion, an out-of-control emotion, a reactive emotion. Usually these things happen for me in romantic situations is the most triggering, Um, you know, or even somebody, you know, just like people being fucking mean online, anything that like can get to me. Um, I truly indulge privately. Like, I think you can have a a, a tantrum alone and nobody gets hurt, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Listen to Lana Del Rey and, like, wear a gown and, like, mm-hmm. f- pretend you're, like, some fucking marooned divorcee for a few hours. <laughs> but I think the only time we get in trouble is when we make it the narrative somebody else's problem, too. You know, it's like if you're feeling really possessive and jealous, let's say, and you have a partner, you know, it's like just think about how much more drama you're gonna have to deal with for many more days if you bring it up to somebody else and you make it someone else's issue and add it to the whole fucking stew or if you just like take a second by yourself and be a fucking baby for a few hours maybe take yourself to like the movies and watch some sad indulgent thing and just be like a fucking walking talking (laughs) drama but don't you know, don't shit where you eat, (laughs) you know, like don't bring that to the table and you'll find that you get to have that release and that clarity. And, you know, some would even say like, you know, manic episodes are a thing, you know, and it's like, go have the episode, but have the, the grace and the clarity to know that it's an episode and that you can literally witness it yourself and then decide if it's something that you need to bring to another party or burden your friends with, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes we just got to perform. We're expressive beings we don't understand ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We're unreliable narr- narrators, and sometimes you got to just go super magnified in one direction so you can come to the center. But once again, you can do it with grace. I always, my whole thing with life is like, yes, you can indulge. You can be an indulgent little fuck, but you have to be very crafty about it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yesterday, no, just yesterday, just a couple days ago, <laughs> I was alone eating takeout and Chris was gone and I just started crying and like let my head like fall onto the couch and then I like started (laughs) laughing because it was just so silly but I think (laughs) you know and like I'm sort of getting to the point now where I see these things happen and I start like having this outward display of emotion Mm. and it's just kind of funny like it I think if we don't something that you can do if you are having these these emotions is look at it try to look at it from a distance with perspective and then sometimes it can actually appear as funny like not like i'm laughing at these mm-hmm. feelings but like it's just life is absurd and it's so funny <laughs> the more that we can just tap into the humor of it because there, everything mm-hmm. is a is an ephemeral 
passing phenomenon, right? And so rather Mm -hmm. than holding on, I think if you do find yourself caught in it, like you're really caught in it and you can't get out, the one thing you can do is say, okay, I'm in it now, but it will pass. This too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And that really will assure you that you are not this emotion. You're not the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think something that is really mm, tricky is when you attach yourself to every emotion and you and you choose to become it and it becomes this narrative and then you know and then you track as a pattern of like I'm throwing (laughs) I'm gonna either have the breakdown or throw a tantrum and it's like are Mm -hmm. you though or are you like are is it is it something that you're doing because you're telling yourself that it's gonna happen over and over right yeah like it's familiar it's It's familiar yeah it becomes habitual like I I used to be a big crier. Like, I used to cry all the time. And now when I do cry, rather than assigning, like, a whole story to it, it's like sometimes you just need to release. And, like, like you said, like, you can indulge it, but do so with kind of perspective, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And also the person who said that they are, you know, they, they practice breath work or they practice awareness and then it all goes out the window. It's like, keep doing that keep practicing that stuff like that stuff does work over time but I it's something that takes a long time like it's a really gradual process right like I Mm -hmm. I've practiced breath work meditation mindfulness for a long time and you know it's like and there was a really specific turning point where I started being like oh I'm catching myself right before I explode like emotionally Mm -hmm. like I'm catching myself you get better at it you get better at it like it's a process but you but we're so used Mm -hmm. to things happening fast nowadays and that's just not something that happens very fast but it is it doesn't just because it's not working right now doesn't mean it's not working so keep going yeah no practice makes perfect no I completely agree I learned about non-reactivity I think when I was like about 21 or so reading the four agreements and the seven spiritual laws of success And I think the number one thing that helped me, and once again, this took time because I would slip up many times and now I can say confidently, like, the thought process comes almost on autopilot. Like, I don't even have to actively be like, wait, where are our tools, you know? Mm -hmm. But for me, it was looking back, especially with the person, this was the second question of the person who, like, lets themselves kind of have these tantrums. It's like, what helps me the most is being like, okay, how did I react to this feeling last time and the time before that and the time before that and then what happened, Right. And being like, do I want to go through that again? Do I want to flip a shit on my my boyfriend and then deal with it for a week and knowing damn well that the emotion itself was so temporary and I could have had a good romantic cuddly night that night instead? And for me, that's what helps me the most is being like, okay, what do I want the next few hours to be like? Or like, what do I want to feel? And I think when you realize that you're actually quite in control of how you feel or even just start having the dialogue that you are in control by even asking those questions... It's like your whole life changes, you know, because you can be like, okay, I feel really annoyed. I feel really so-and-so. This person made me feel this, you know, then we get convinced that we have this whole fucking narrative of suffering and like they're making me suffer and I'm suffering and then so-and-so. Or you could just be like, okay, here we go again, right? I'm on the ride, but I will get off of it, you know? Um, The Four Agreements is a great book (laughs) for that, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, like, nothing is better than getting, like, actively practicing the fact that you do have control over your mindset and perception and then watching the results happen. And it's, like, nothing 
can compare. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, nothing can compare to the fact that you can literally, like, not just fuck up a whole week or even a whole relationship because of your, like, little fucking storms, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think something that, like, it's, it's, and the whole processing shame thing, it's like, you can be, you can feel shame, you can choose to have shame, or you can choose to, like, use it as a lesson, right? So, like, if you mess up, um, yeah, rather than doing the shame cycle, which doesn't really get you anywhere, being like, okay, this is something that I don't want to feel again, I'm taking this, how did I get here, what are the steps that I could have taken differently, um, can I make up, can I apologize, like, can I make this up to someone, mm-hmm. um, can I forgive myself? Like, that's a huge thing. Remember Mm -hmm. that you're, you're like a factor, like you're your own friend, like you're the friend in this situation too. So how are you treating yourself after that moment? Right. If your friend had a tantrum, would you be like, you dirty little (laughs) drama bitch? Like, no, you'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. Let's get you somewhere safe. (laughs) Let's get you to dry land. Let's get you a Um, cup of tea. (laughs) yeah yeah let's get you some chamomile tea um yeah also like something that is said in that in that first email that is something that is sort of like an illusion with us that i think is important to continually debunk because like you know and she said you both seem both very peaceful to exist with and i you know like we're both we're like just every other fucking person addressing different neuroses and like insecurities and like ups and downs like we're all you and I are always riding the waves we're just act actively using the tools that we have to do so right so and we love doing it we love it yeah (laughs) that's the thing it's you also gotta love it but it's not like we were like born from the womb being like ah the (laughs) the chanting oh yeah oh my god (laughs) I was so reactive I used to like run away from my boyfriend's house at like 3 a.m. and be like find me (laughs) find me yeah um also you know for the person tantrums if you get violent i highly recommend watching jerry springer episodes and seeing how ugly it is to be violent in the game of love Mm. (laughs) that's what would help me is i would watch like those shows where they would just like get a rise out of people fighting and i'd be like fighting is not cute fighting is not doesn't give you life (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah reactivity it is and yeah like james said it is a practice i can say that it used to be something that i actively kept fucking up on and kept trying and that's how the meme page started was me literally talking about the process and then now it's kind of like automatic you know it's like i am faced with a troubling emotion and then i say like okay how important is this and is it gonna like affect my relationships today and my day today and my memory today yeah you know Choose your own adventure, babe. That's kind of the vibe. Choose your own adventure, like video game. Like you're like yeah. sitting there and you're like, I feel like I'm suffering. And then it's like, A, indulge the suffering and show everyone. B, indulge the suffering alone. C, just somehow intellectually convince yourself it's not there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I really like intellectual mindfulness, I'm realizing through this conversation. Like I really like organizing a situation like being faced with a situation that I find troubling and being like when did I feel this before and then like playing that out and then being like what decision did I make like I I feel like the intellectual mindfulness is really helpful for me more than the 
breathing and stuff I want to get better at like breathing and all that mm-hmm. I'm like I think the worst breather I've ever met <laughs> um like even when I try to breathe deep I'm like I'm just like pretending on the outside <laughs> that's so funny like someone's like breathe deep but I'm like okay that means breathe loud <laughs> but not like actually breathing deep <laughs> yeah I'm working on it yeah but I think yeah, I'm I good think... at the intellectual organizing yeah and I think that's the like not the first step but like a really big step in in getting to the like the vibes aspect of it and getting to know what you're talking about which is like an autopilot response yeah it's like we're so analytical anyways that's another thing i have to say is i feel like a lot of mindfulness like intellectual mindfulness is like um hacking what's already happening but to your benefit and it's like your mind is already so down to be like an analytical little freak and like you know instead of walking around being like you know thinking about all kinds of shit that like makes you feel bad about yourself it's like just think of all the ways that you can like fucking take control mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah the mind can either be like a superhero or like a super villain in your in your life totally keyword super <laughs> big one yeah but i will say yeah the four agreements was my bible for that um and just like not wanting to be just like another thing i have to say just is like it's so fucking regular to be reactive i think that's the thing that guides me the most you know what i mean is like when i realize mm-hmm. like how regular and easy it is to just be like oh my god like everything's against me and like i'm small and like my parents are poor i was just like shut the fuck up like <laughs> do you want to be regular i don't want to be regular <laughs> No, we're we're uh, it's not just like too the other girls easy. on this it's podcast. Easy. <laughs> yeah, that's alternate title. Not like other girls. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to like. I'd rather do the thing that's not like visible. <sighs> it's just dope, you know. It's like getting the rare pair of shoes. You know, do you want the eight hundred dollar Nike Reacts, or do you want the black and white ones at Nordstrom? <laughs> I want both. <laughs> um. <laughs> but you'll wear them at different times in your life so there you go that's exactly yeah that's true so the key is just take it all <laughs> for what it's worth respect the journey um, respect the um, journey choose your own adventure stick to your mission stick to your thesis stay open hearted don't forget to eat you know when else is happening there's so much going on you know just nutrition don't forget to have dessert every single day (laughs) don't forget to have a chocolate cake with ice cream every night (laughs) um (laughs) don't forget to charge your bluetooth headphones there is so much don't forget to put chapstick on before you go to sleep after you brush your teeth that's my thing don't forget to brush your teeth yeah don't forget to think about your teeth but not in a scary way just in like i can handle this (laughs) right 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 don't look at your teeth too hard otherwise you will see the cracks you will see something yeah (laughs) (laughs) no matter what (laughs) um don't forget to put check boxes on your to-do list and throw something on the to-do list that you already did totally i love doing that i love being like and check and done okay cool i'll do this all the tomorrow because i already did that (laughs) successful day Um, don't forget to have a calendar in the house it's always a good thing oh my god yeah (laughs) totally um 
Yeah, put your best foot forward. I only have two. <laughs> I like these platitudes. <laughs> I know, I like just going off on, like, what is it, like, stream of consciousness, like, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, pillow advice. The like world is your oyster. Advice. The world mm, is your oyster. You know comes. what? Speaking of that, I do want to say, and this relates to the reactivity thing, is I had a moment where I was like, okay, why am I like this? And then I was like, oh, the metaphor I can think of is, like, the way that, like, like, it's so typical, but stay with me. It's, like, when the oyster has a pearl, the pearl is an irritation, right? I'm sure someone said this, but it's so good. But it's, like, whenever I define an irritation, which to me is, like, I could react to the irritation or I could be, like, why am I irritated? I don't want to be irritated about this. And that's with mm-hmm. anything. It could be anything from, like, you know, why am I so challenged by the fact that I uh, did this cool thing? Or, like, why am I so challenged by this one comment and, like, not this one and, like why does this person trigger me or you know like anything like and I'm just like I'm irritated and like what can I do to fix it mm-hmm. you know I feel yeah. like that's just like the way and it's like that's the oyster thing is like if you're an oyster and the pearl comes in and it's an irritation and you just keep like rolling it around rolling it around then it becomes this pretty little thing and someone pries it out of you and makes it into a necklace and they take your that's jewel the podcast. And- the podcast is us <laughs> there's so many pearls on this island that they don't feel rare anymore. Like, in L.A., I was like, oh, my God, pearl jewelry is so special. Yeah. And here I'm just like, oh, another pearl. Oh, there's a purple one. Oh, there's a blue one. Oh, she has it on her neck and her ears at the same time. Everyone has pearls. Wow. Huh. <laughs> another illusion. I'm the wearing pearls freshwater pearls LA. right now. Yeah, which are beautiful. Yeah. Those were the gift that, like, Chris was like, what should I get James, right? And we were, like, yeah, yeah, secret yeah. spy reporters. Man, I secret love that, Santa. you guys. I love when a boyfriend, like, goes to the friends and says, so what do I get? What do I get the girl? I know. He's always like, I we just bother your all friends we do is shop. so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> all we do is shop in Pinterest. Of course we know, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but now we totally had the answer. Okay. So now we're just talking as yes. we do. Should we... So... Thank you Thank so you guys much. for your questions. This was a fun episode. I really enjoyed doing this. If you want us to do it again, maybe we'll do it in a couple months, but let us know if you liked, yeah. liked it. Totally. And we're back. Sorry for the long break, but we do love this doing this, so we will keep doing it. <laughs> we're not gone. Yeah, we will keep it up. All right. Thank you so much for your questions. Um, thank you for listening. And we'll see you. We'll see you around. Right. Bye. <laughs>